What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 271, broken up into two parts, A and B. No? Okay, Chris and Roger. Right. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> 271A, posting on March 29th, will be a discussion of Nightmare Alley and being the Ricardos. And 271B, posting on April 1st, Friday, April Fool's Day, discussing the Oscars and the points earned by For the Love of Cinema cast. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. Joining me as does every week is my is Rod, is my co-host, Roger. I love Lucy Stillian and our lovely permanent guest, Chris the Geek Bon. Come on, all right. You no, know it's the most accurate thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, Roger, but I feel like. You know, if all the all of us on here, I feel like you would like secretly love those old, like uh, I Love Lucy, Bewitched show. Like you nope. watch them in like the basement or something. No, nope. that shit. Really, dude? Not even kidding. Well, so I was gonna say, actually, I I always hated going to my grandmother's and them turning on TV Land and all that kind of stuff, having to watch. Only thing that was on their program was like Nick at Night, or you watch Bewitched. And all but that. like that's when it was actual Nick at Night, yeah. not like stuff we watch when yeah, we were kids. Exactly. is on there now, yep. which is really fucked up to me. Yeah, by the right? way, yeah, screw them. But it, I just I've never liked those those old timey sitcom shows. It just wasn't wasn't for me. Well, just remember the, the worst episodes of One Division are the first two were there. It's true. <laughs> Seven the versions of a sitcom. There's that's a reason for that. Very true, though. That's very true. I don't know the, the numbers that they talk about, and we'll get into this deep into the the Ricardo's stuff. Is the amount of people that did watch that show at sixty million that's then? Yeah. Oh my Back god, then, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I didn't realize because I remember when Game of Thrones was like they announced like ten million watched the the season finale. I'm yeah. like, whoa, well, that's, that's a good thing. number. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, shit, that ain't nothing. Sixty million every week. Well, here's the thing, and there are way more ways to watch TV now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, to get to, to get those viewing numbers up, absolutely. Good lord, yeah. Thinking about, it, I love the. Oh man, being the Ricardo is actually one that I'm. I really enjoyed. I'm kind of sorry we missed it up until this point, but we finally did see that one. And because we are seeing them later, it's going to be a shorter discussion on both. Kind of get some thoughts and what we thought of the story and the characters. Not going to be our usual in depth analysis, but um, it's Oscar know. night, baby. It is. it is. This is our Super Bowl movie. Super Bowl. Although. If you go on Twitter and look at Oscars, there's not a bunch of enthusiasm for this year. Um, and actually, it's the least amount of enthusiasm I've seen for the Oscars in a very long time. Actually, if if ever. I'm well, sure. Hold on. Let's take a quick poll. Who here is super pumped to watch the Oscars tonight? I mean, I'm curious to who's going to win. <laughs> I'm 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 honest to God terrified that Spielberg's going to take everything. Chris, how excited are you for this pizza we're going to eat? I mean, the pizza is definitely the reason why I'm here. <laughs> Fair. For okay. no other reason. Look at what kind of pizza are you guys getting? I don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not buying, so I'm just going to be pleasantly surprised when what pizza shows fuck? up. <laughs> hey, I offered to pay. Half. Dude, Venmo, Venmo's a thing, man. I, 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 I told him. Mm. I told him. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the people that are like nominated for Oscars are excited for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. <laughs> Which I'm is sure. fair. Yeah, of course. I, it is. I might not show up if I was nominated for an Oscar. When eventually I am. Because that'll happen. I mean, when you're hanging out with the royal family. Shoot, shoot, yeah. shoot <laughs> Guys, why aren't you, Raj, why aren't you your Oscar now? Dude, I'm hanging out with Prince Harry. Me and Garfield are going to hang out with Harry. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> I'm so jealous. Roger's like, what's up, Chris? Garfield's here. We're having we're at his after party. <laughs> and then like, I'm on the phone like, hey, can I come join you? Like, no. No. Garfield, no. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Garfield and Harry. Up, buddy. 
Both Garfield and Harry said no. Oh, and Megan Megan Markle said to no also. Actually, it was me that said no. They said bring whoever you want, and I said no. We're going through a tunnel, guys. Sorry, man. Wait, the party the party bus is going. Oh boy! Okay, really this is a lot shitty of, reception here at the castle. This is kind of inside baseball to a lot of people, but uh, the I guess the inside baseball joke is Roger is very charismatic, and if he meets celebrities like Andrew Garfield, would absolutely hit it off, and they'd be buddies drinking in a bar, and I would not be invited. That's the that's the inside baseball on that one. I mean, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm, yeah, whatever. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, how was your week? What's going on? Um, it snowed today. Oh, it's not the last two days. Dang, March is God. Every year, March doesn't it does not let us down. I'm a climate change denier at this point because uh, <laughs> we need global cooling. We don't need. Glo- it's ironic you'd say that on Oscar Day, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Strong stance to take. Yeah, right. Global cooling is real because mm-hmm. it's cold still and snowing. I hate Ohio. Any accumulation? Well, minor, very minor. Thing. Okay, fair, fair. Enough but to piss you off. Still cold enough to snow. It's been a pretty standard week. I uh, watched several movies. Uh, a lot of it when I was... I watched one... I, I honest to God, I turned on a movie. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I was asleep um, within like three minutes of the movie. I don't remember anything past... I don't remember anything past a certain point. And I tried to rewatch it this morning and like, yep, that was like three minutes in. The last thing I remember was like three yeah. and a half minutes in. Jeez Louise. I mean, besides the watching stuff, me and my daughter continued our Naruto journey. Oh, there you go. That's been about it, though, for watching stuff this week. Oh, I started rewatching Full Metal uh, Alchemist with my wife. I thought you were saying Full Metal Jacket with your kid. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> odd, odd choice there, Chris. Odd choice. So, so just as a as a quick story time, there's a particular two scenes in Full Metal Alchemist that was absolutely traumatizing for my wife, and we haven't. She watched Full Metal with me back when we first started dating, so like 14 years ago now, and it took 14 years ago for her to say, all right, let's try it again, because it is really good. It has a lot of great storytelling in it. And we got five episodes in, and it came back to one of those two things. We have a don't skip rule for anime. Don't mm. We never skip an episode. Damn, that's rough. She's she's pulling a skip card. She wants to skip it, because it's just it's a tough scene. Just tell her you did, and then play it anyway. Listen, <laughs> I, I can feel her heart. I know she listens. I I can, listen, those are the rules. I can feel her heart rate increase early in her watching it. Like she does not want to see it. Wait, what? What's so? I don't. I, I don't. I'm not familiar with Full Metal Alchemist. What's so? What's so like so about there, the scene? There's a uh, there's a point in it where uh, the two main characters meet a family to uh, try to learn some more. I'll give I'll give the quick and dirty on this. Well, it's it's a it's a father who has a research of a certain type so they go there to learn from him well the man has a daughter she's like four or five and a dog well eventually you know like it, like they make you fall in love with this girl and this dog like hard man and uh the father is gonna lose his license if he doesn't do it if he doesn't like pass the next exam and he has to show like his work well his work is combining living creatures to make new creatures and to come through with it, he combines the little girl and this dog together. His daughter and the dog. And it's just a very sad scene when you've gotten to know these two. And you also know that no Chimera has lived beyond like like days. So you know the daughter's going to die as well. I zoned out there for a minute. It's good. It's I did funny. too. Sorry. Well, that, that's the scene. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a tough watch, honestly. Scene! I always thought it was like when people always say it's a tough scene. The one thing I, I think about is I don't know if you've seen Bone Tomahawk. Roger, have you seen that? Yeah. What is that? With Kurt Russell. It's 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 a very gritty Western. Um, 
Matthew Fox, Kurt like Russell. You like being depressed more than you normally are? Watch Bone Tomahawk. There's a there's there's a scene where uh, a a prisoner hanging upside down gets cut in half, and you watch all of it. Jeez. And that's what I that's what I mean. Talk about scenes that are tough to watch. That is one of them that's tough to watch. Oh jeez, but that's a good movie though. It's Kurt Russell, man. It's a yeah, it's a good one. Although I just talked about guy getting cut in half, but it's it's still a lot of fun. Oh, um, that's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you watch Bone Tomahawk, you won't forget it. You will not forget that movie ever because of that one scene. All right, gentlemen, shall we jump into the episode? This is this is episode 271 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. Was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current upcoming releases, watch streaming trailers, and the movies of the week. Without further ado, let's jump into the box office mojo. Chris, you're going to be surprised. Roger, you will too. The Lost City overtook Batman, 31 million, bringing a worldwide total of 34.7. I'm not surprised. The Batman 20.5, bringing its worldwide to 672, almost 700 million. I lied. I was a little bit surprised. I actually, okay, so Chris, here's with you on this one. I remember you made a comment about. Um, the earning potential of this. There was, I read an article somewhere that there was a bet between one of the DC guys and one of the Marvel guys about Batman would earn around the same as Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I remember you thinking that the potential was pretty high. I'm like, I don't ever think it was that high. Not that high. Oh my I God. I mean, uh, isn't Spider-Man like the fifth highest grossing movie of all time? Sixth. Okay. But points the same. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> All right, better dollars. All right, R R R, number number three, nine point five million, bringing it to nine point five million worldwide. R R R is a fictitious story about two legendary revolutionaries and their journey away from home before Wait. they started fighting for their country in nineteen twenties. What the hell is that? I, have no, I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. I have a movie podcast. <laughs> what is this? I mean, at first I thought Red Ribbon Army, but then, <laughs> but I mean, damn. I thought Grayson was stuttering. <laughs> As I am known to do. All right, number four, Uncharted, five million, bringing it worldwide to three hundred and fifty-seven. Not too shabby still, for Uncharted. Still pushing money. That might All make right. that might make four hundred mil. And uh, number five, Chris, Juju, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, four point six million, bringing it worldwide to one hundred and forty-four. I broke told you that was going to have a. Huge drop off, a, a sharp drop, drop off. Well, that's all right. right. Still, one hundred million is a good showing for anime. Oh hell yes, it is. That's not that's not a bad showing at all. I think that I think it it has more than a lot of the movies in the Oscars combined. It does. Like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> this past weekend brought us March twenty fifth. Brought us seven days. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The Lost City. Remember, the seven days and everything ever all at once were added very late, and they are very limited in in their runs. Uh, April first. The Contractor, Morbius, April 8th, Ambulance, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. April 13th, which is a Wednesday, is Father Stew. April 15th, which is a Friday and tax day, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. April 22nd, The Bad Guys, The Northman, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And April 29th, Memory with Liam Neeson. That ends out April. May start strong with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So... I'm hearing nothing but terrible things about Morbius at this point. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a shame, man. The it... words disjointed, useless, terrible. <laughs> you can put those in any sort of lane. Any order you want. Yeah. Oh, and then the waste of a post-credit. 
God. That's, just, that's a shame how hyped that movie was. Well, well, here's the thing. If it ends up being poor, if it ends up being that way, it's this, this is a testament of a really good trailer, right? Because the trailer doesn't look bad. It doesn't have any like, oh, man, this is going to be rough feels, at least for me anyway. Sure. So it it's going to be a good testament to, hey, you can cut a damn good trailer at least for even a shitty movie. Sure, but I mean, I'm sure it'll still make, you know, tons of money, which I don't doubt at all. All right, let's look at um, what's streaming. This week, we're taking a look at Amazon, and this week is the Oscars, so we're going to say, go with that. Number one, Saving Private Ryan, a small film you may have heard of by director Steven Spielberg, Ooh. Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, Tom Sidemore, Edward Burns, Barry Pepper, Adam Goldman, Giovanni Ribisi, Ted Danson, and if you remember, Vin Diesel. 1998. I forgot Ted Danson is in that movie. Yeah, for, I mean not for, not for long, but he's he's, he's in it. Uh, Sound of Metal, a movie that we love on this Hell podcast yeah. by director Darius Martyr, Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, Paul Racy, 2019. Folks, if you have not seen Sound of Metal and you're in you're in Oscar mode, it's free right now on Amazon. Well, I shouldn't say free because you're if you're if you see it, you're paying for the subscription, but it's included with your Amazon Prime subscription. You need to watch this movie. I love it. We love it. It's a dan- it's it's every it's bit 10. of an it's every it's every bit of a ten. Like it's one of those few movies a year that's just a ten. Grayson loved it. Seven and a half. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's more inside Ooh. baseball. Sure, thanks. All right, Fargo by director Joel and Ethan Cohen, the Cohen brothers. Fun family film. <laughs> William H Macy, Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, A Blast from the Past, nineteen ninety six. Again, if you have Prime subscription, those are all included. Check those out for some previous Academy Award winners. Let's talk about some trailers. Gentlemen, The Hater, a comedy. A um, uh, Yeah, comedy. That's what I have. <laughs> I'm going to hate this movie. I think it's got a little potential. I don't think much, but it's got a little potential. Political comedies are always hit or miss with me because if Don't Look Up is any measure of a political comedy, I see. I, I really like That's that one. Successful political comedy. Yeah. What was Whether the like one? It or not, it's still. What was that one with um Roger Roseburn and Steve Carell? Where the about the mayors of the town or whatever? yeah, and that one where she lies about being from a town. He's like, wait a minute, yeah. no, you're not. But whatever that, I kind of enjoyed that a little bit. It was kind yeah, of well, funny. there were funny moments in that movie, but it, it wasn't it wasn't very good, but it was funny. Don't look up if you ask me. It, it was. It's much better, but I think some of the comedy, you, you either, depending on where you fall on the political spectrum, you like it or hate it, or if you're someone who just doesn't like politics, you probably just don't like it at all. So it's a tough one, but I i mean, it is what it is. Wasn't but, there a comedy with Will Ferrell? Like, yeah, the campaign. Yes, that was it. That was a terrible movie. Galifianakis. Yeah, Galifianakis. Yeah. That, that wasn't great. That had some funny moments, like when he punches the baby and then he punches the dog. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sometimes babies need that. <laughs> Sometimes babies need puns. Sure, sure. Um, you just we, agreed with that on air. That's the one. <laughs> oh, that's the one where Dylan playing to the audience here. That's the one where Dylan's like he, he tries to make him better. He's like, no, like like Burt Reynolds. And he's showing him on TV what a real man looks like. Like Burt, damn it! All right, number two, where the crawdads sing. This looks like it's trying Gigantic. to win awards, but gigantic books here. Uh, gigantic book. It is. It is very successful book too. Um, one of those adaptions. If this is either going to be hit or miss for people, I don't think it's going to make tons of money. I don't think people are even going to care about it. But those who do watch it and are fans of the book, I think are going to love it. It's one of See, those. That's, a, that's the thing. When you, whenever you have a very successful book, you automatically grab that built-in audience, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if this brings in some money. Yeah, but you know what? It, it screams like '90s book adaption to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you got that vibe, but it just screams like 
Time to Kill and like all those um, Grisham novels. And it just screams like late 90s, very early 2000s adaptions. They were they're, they're okay. They're successful. They just didn't like, they didn't, you know, light, light the world on fire. But Chris, what do you think about Where the Crawdads Sing? I, I said to Roger while we were watching it that the first half of the trailer was much more interesting than the second half of the trailer. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it feels very '90s. I think it feels, you know, almost almost current with the way like movies feel right now. And it's got a strong female lead, obviously, with you know doing some cool shit. So I, it might it might be okay. Better than so. haters. So we'll go with that. <laughs> I don't know. The hater might be fun. It might have its moments. You never know. I mean, until we watch Small it, really murder. can't say. But that's the second time you said it might be good. And I don't think it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me being optimistic. But it's good. All right, let's talk about Roger for one second. The offer which is a limited series based on the creation, it looks like, of The Godfather. Okay, this I'm a little bit on board for. Well, The Godfather is a very... Miles incredible sideburns. Well, The Godfather is a very important franchise in cinema history, especially especially for studio films. And there is there is so much behind the creation like of The Godfather. <laughs> Coppola went through... Yeah, I mean, there is so much behind the creation. If you... I mean, I, I, I read one book in college to go to, about the creation of The Godfather and what studio went through, what Coppola went through, what... um, It's just everyone went through and it's just... It's insane. Like, I mean, there was like 700 pages and it could have easily been three times that with more information about what happened in the in the making of The Godfather. Jeez. Yeah. But, cool. That them that those that franchise made a ton of people. I mean, that that was a great great franchise. I mean, legendary first two movies. Again, I I always say some of the best original sequels. The third one we don't really talk about a whole lot, but Godfather one and part one and part two are pretty fantastic as original and sequel. Chris, have you ever seen those? I have seen the Godfather. Actually, nice. uh, I actually talked about that uh, this week. Oddly <laughs> enough. Um, with somebody that we got into an argument about what we thought like the best movies of all time were, and their pick was The Godfather one and two. Mine was not. They you can't pick two movies. They violently disagreed with me on that. Wait, 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 wait! What happens when you when you suggested the third one has to be included in their pick? I mean, I didn't, I didn't try that logic because I didn't really care enough about that. But it was, you know, it was, it was Godfather versus Schindler's List, basically, and I think. My movie's far superior, but it's fine. Oh, Schindler's List is also a good far. I mean, listen, I'm not a big fan of the Godfather. I I, I won't go down this route, but I don't know about. I mean, you're talking about (laughs) juggernaut movies. I I get that. You know, it's not like we're talking about you know Spider Man stomping on Batman. (laughs) That's not where we're at here. So your ten was better than my ten, but I don't understand how. Well, that's a limited that's a limited series streaming, so we'll see On that Paramount one. Plus, it is. Which we'll see if they can make good TV or not. I mean, well, Chris I and I had a little hope somewhere they can. Well, I, Chris, I would, I would, you know, we're talking about bonus episodes. I think we should have a bonus episode. You, me, if Roger wanted to be included, that's fine. About what it means right now for these, you know, for the Sonic the Hedgehog, Halo, Last of Us, what it what it means or doesn't mean if they succeed or don't succeed financially. Like, what it means in the broader spectrum of things. Well, I'm pretty sure Sonic's already succeeded. Well, yeah, no, it's already I mean, but we're, we're just talking about, like, video game adaptions. And yeah. it was jobbed out of several Oscars a couple years ago. It was <laughs> hard, right? Yeah, in Roger's Justice world. Justice for yeah. Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for Sonic. Good. <laughs> Um, but I'd love to do that little that video about our thoughts yeah. on that uh, bonus video. Um, all right, gentlemen. What about Nine Bullets with Lena Headey? 
B movie yeah. coming right right off of her uh, Cersei Lannister. St- although not, yeah. not 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 right yeah, off. It's been right off. Years. It's been a couple of years, but I mean, she was Cersei for for year ten years of that ten show. Years. So, and she, you know, in three three hundred, she's been in ton like the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Not that that was any good, but I mean, she's she has her own pedigree outside of Game of Thrones. I always like to see her because it's. I mean, when you whenever you see Lena He, the first person you think of is of course Cersei Lannister. Well, so I mean, there's no doubt that this woman can act. You know, no, what I mean? she's good. Yeah, she's fantastic. But it's just, I don't know why she wouldn't get a bigger movie than whatever the hell this thing is. Hmm. I mean, she gets to shoot people in the kneecaps. So well, here's cool. the here's the thing: everybody needs paychecks. That's, I mean, you well, can only, you just, can only hold out for the biggest just, stuff until you be like, just ask Nick Cage. Well, yeah. Well, after her, I mean syndication on game of thrones i'm sure she's okay she look maybe she just prefers now to do smaller movies maybe that's, take that's possible. you know less time commitment less you know stunts whatever is involved but if you're in you're out in a month i mean you gotta appreciate that for even like maybe not millions in paychecks but you know if you get a solid million one 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 point five two million out of it why not right sure and with the way that you know money's thrown around these days by studios um trust me the, the movie i'm working on the the, the the budget has gone up quite a bit um so much that I'm baffled that a kid's movie is costing a studio this much to make, but it is what it is. So gentlemen, we kind of rushed those trailers, but if you are interested in the trailers, check them out. They're on our social media. Let's talk about some movies, guys. Let's talk about being the Ricardos. I'm going to lean with the Ricardos. All right. Ricardos. All right. Let's talk about them for one second. As tradition dictates, we'll go to the tomato meter, which I think is unfair on this one. This one, the first movie say, on the this one, unfair. This one's a little low, right? I think so. You know, for, for I mean, the movie I watched doesn't line up with the ratings that that I've seen for this movie so no, far. No, I mean, and with the, the nominations, I understand that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's not coming up right now, but it was... Hold on a sec. It's not... It just it says two blanks. But I, th- I think the audience... The tomato meter was something like... 83 or 68 or something. No, no, no. The 80 something and the audience score was 63. Yeah. On this one. No, no. All the way around. I'm, I'm sorry. 63 and the audience score was 80 something. So let's talk about that for a second. I don't know why it's not loading. Um, let's talk about that for a second. How do you guys loading for must be them. It's not loading yeah, for me. Okay. Yes, how do you guys feel about being the Ricardos? Give me a quick encapsulated. How do you feel about was, being Ricardos? I think it was a good movie. And I think it was a really interesting direction about how they did it by starting with like the bad stuff up front and then them coping with it through like the five day process while also circling through time. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, well, I mean, here's the, the thing I, about, I, I'll go, go, go ahead. It's okay. The, the movie that I watched was, I, I thought it was very well written dialogue wise. The back and forth that all these characters have is so witty and so quick. It's just, it's very, very good comedy. That isn't that like you, they'd have to pause on the comedy. So very funny, very smart. And I, I thought the cinematography, the shots were great. Like it, just, it was a very well shot movie. I thought. Well, the last thing you'd want would be Lucille Ball to roast you. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially yeah. In, in in a room full of other people, she would <laughs> annihilate you in a room full of a crowd. Which, as a man who is like that, I respect. That. <laughs> so let's talk. Okay, so Aaron Sorkin, small is, director, is no. I mean, he's one of the best writers in in, in Hollywood ever right now. Um, and he's, he also directed this. So let's talk about that for a second. So Aaron Sorkin is a writer-director. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, J.K. Simmons, Nina Arianda, Jake Lacey, Aria, oh, sorry, Alia 
Shaka, Tony Hale. That is not a small cast. No, it's a good cast. That's I mean, that's a massively huge both, cast. Both of the movies we're going to talk about have great cast. Yes, they do indeed. And I got to give it to Nicole Kidman. I didn't think she was going to be able to pull off Lucille Ball. I mean, people have been saying since the movie came out, she did great, but like, I like to watch it for myself. But she really, I think, I don't know much about Lucille Ball, but I got to say, I think, I mean, I think so, she crushed it. So I don't think that she kills it in the way like, like I don't think they did the perfect job of like finding the exact lookalike match, like thinking about um what we just saw Spencer, with Spencer, right? Yeah. But here's the thing, because the first about five minutes in, my wife, because she we started watching the movie together, she she said I she said I don't like her as as Lucille Ball, and then five minutes after that, when she's like on screen talking a lot, she's like, no, never mind, I take it back. This is perfect. So it's she. She was playing the part very, very well. I think. What about you, Roger? What do you think? I mean, I think she was great, and I the I thought uh, Javier Bardem as uh, Ricky Ricardo, dude, he kills. So, dude, dude, he's so. I agree. Oh man, I thought he was. Uh, I I liked his performance better than I like than I liked um Kate. Who is it? I can't remember. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. 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 I almost said Kate Blanchett. That's the, that's the other movie. Um, I liked him his performance a little bit better than hers. I thought he was fantastic as that character, but I've seen things people talking about that like, like they didn't like his performance very well. Like, but he's nominated for an Oscar for it. I get so. that, and and I wish I would have seen this movie before we made our Oscar predictions. I don't know if it would have sh- shifted it because I think he does a damn good job here too. By the way, maybe they took the Rotten Tomatoes score stuff down for the just right now while the Oscars the are going on. Oscars. Or yeah. well, I mean, they spawn like they're part of the sponsorship of the Oscars. They might just be getting bombarded. Yeah, too. Yeah, that's also. But I I agree with you, Chris. I'm glad you brought it up. Javier Bardem, he is one thing that I think Hollywood lacks right now is that it's never lacked until like the last maybe five or ten years, even throughout the history of Hollywood, is this you know leading men that also have this. I don't even know what to this machismo charisma on screen where they just command the attention of the audience and, and whatever, whatever's going on, on on screen. What I mean by that is, do you remember the scene when he has, he has the, the people from Philip Morris and the studio heads, CBS in, yeah. in his office. And they're like, no, you're not, we're not going to do this pregnant. We're not going to go through this arc on this show. It's not going to happen. And then he's completely just, okay. Um, he brings his secretary and he's like, write this down word for word and send yep. this to, you know, the head of Philip Morris. Yeah. That's yep. the thing is like, we don't have many men in Hollywood to do that, or at least the balls on that guy. Yeah. So I think that scene you're talking about is the best scene in this movie. Well, I it's love that whole scene. It's one of I three. Correct. I think I would say it's the follow up to that. scene. Hold on. Hold on. Roger. What scene are you talking about? Cause I was going to say that the same scene thing where he gets the answer to the telegram. No, no, no. That was also good. Okay. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> Well, see, perfect. as an extension, I think that's also great. But th- I think there's three of the three scenes in this movie that are so incredibly powerful. There's that one. There's um, a scene when, where, when, where she's, I think she's redoing, she's like re-blocking the the, the living scene. room table scene, okay. and then. She's. Wait, 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 are you talking about the one where she pulls them in at like two in the morning or whatever? No, no, no. It's well, that's an extension. But when she's like completely taken over the director, and she's okay, yeah. and she's like, "No, we're going to do this right now." Oh, the lunch break thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, then there's and then there's a scene when her and Javier are having a discussion, and like this is before the whole lipstick thing. And if you've seen the movie, that that that'll make sense to you. But it was the scenes, several scenes before the lipstick thing, where they're just talking about things and being in love. And man, that's. That's exactly why 
you have to have people like Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. I'm not saying that other other actors, actresses, actors can can't do that, but Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, they get the big paychecks for a reason, yes. <laughs> like because they're just excellent, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's a scene when they're sitting outside of the of the of the of the set and they're waiting for the decision to come back from the about the communism thing, and that scene's also wonderful. Yep, like it's. Oh, yeah. God, it's just wonderful. Well, I mean, you, you got you got stars in that scene, and they're all they all get their 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 few, the their little piece of that. Oh yeah, it's just it's, everybody takes their shot. It's there. just charisma on screen. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, that's that's what I to me I'm gonna remember this movie by just great performances and great scenes, and I, that's what Aaron Sorkin brings to the table. Every time I watch an Aaron Sorkin movie, there are scenes more than the actual movie that stand out in my head. Same's true with um, what's the movie you with the Facebook movie? Social network. Social network. Same's true with the trial of Chicago seven. It's just power. He knows how to craft powerful scenes, even as a yeah. writer. And it's man, it's great. Sorry. I'm like gushing about it, but I mean, this movie, I think had some, some other issues though, too. It does. It has a few, <clears throat> but it, it overall as a movie, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed it. It works, man. Watching it, yeah. it just works. And that's sometimes that's all that matters. Yep. Um, I understand why that this movie is getting the buzz that it gets because the way that it's cast and the way that it, everybody, the pacing of this movie works very yeah. well. And it's weird because this movie, the, the real story of this movie for, we didn't really talk about it. So this movie begins on like, what is it? The first day of shooting the second season of I love Lucy. Yeah. And like the night before that came out, there was like a report that Lucy O'Ball was a communist, but they didn't mention her by name. So like the PR team and all her people are like in a full frenzy while they're still trying to, to prep for like episode one of the show, you know, it starts with the table read where everybody's kind of snippy to each other yeah. and also kind of hilarious because <laughs> comedy writers are shitty to each other. And that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, and it just progresses through the week. And also while progressing through the week, there are flashbacks to things. There are scenes purely in black and white, like they're being filmed for the show. Yeah. I, th- I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like it works really, really well. Yeah, so and I, I think what go go ahead, Chris. Sorry, the visual direction of this was, I think, spot on. I mean, like it's very clean at the points they want it to, but like you said, you know, they they do they do black and white, they do flashback scenes where they kind of make things, you know, a little bit a little bit more like I don't know, the screen was like a little dingy at times to show that it was you know it was in the past. I did like all the different turns they made with camera shots. Yep. I love that. It just it, it helps differentiate the timelines you're looking at, you know. So it's it also helps. The viewer take it in, but it's just it's also smart because it 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 makes it like those scenes impactful in a movie that has a lot of good scenes. So you can actually kind of like pick and choose and remember certain ones just by the way they were shot too. One thing we 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 did skip the. I, I think you did a wonderful job of summing it up, Roger, um, a minute ago. You're welcome. So we can, um, one thing I did love though, and it's because it's. This isn't the story of I Love Lucy. It's the story of this is of, of a five day span of I Love Lucy. Of well, about the communist scare that you know swept through Hollywood in the fifties. It was it was a big deal. And Lucille Ball, she was um, you know one of the she's one of like the ones that everyone remembers. And it's 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 kind of her dealing with you know her affiliation with communism. And and I don't want to get into that, but one thing I do love is how it started with you're you're seeing people and you figure out through the movie goes on who these people are in the actual ensemble of characters. Mm-hmm. And I love how, you know, you have people telling you it, it, you know, it does that very effective yet very simple, but kind of overused in Hollywood a little bit where, you know, they're talking they're like, here's what you got to understand about what happened. You know, Lucille is this and Ricky was this, you know, you got to understand 
and then the kind of your scene plays out in one scene. And then when they get done with the opening montage of that, she goes, well, that was a very tough week for all of us. <laughs> it was a very tense week. And then you hop right into it. And I, and I love that because then, of course, yeah. you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. it's, I think it's an important distinction to make that when you're going to watch Being the Ricardos, this is not a movie about I Love Lucy at all. If you Well, were, sort of. But, if, I mean, if you're if you're watching this movie because you've watched I Love Lucy all the way through six times, I think you're going to be a little a, a little shocked as to what the content of this movie actually is. Well, the movie does a good job of staying within that sphere, though, right? Because, it does. And, it, it and, does. We, and we get some cool, like, you know, like shots and scenes and perspectives. We, we get to see the... Like, almost like a making of I Love Lucy. Yeah, pretty you know, much. Like you're going to ride like that, which is actually a really neat perspective to take. You know, you get to hear the cold reads. You get to hear, you know, watch them walk, you know, do the walkthrough. And then, you know, the, like the live rehearsing, all that. And that's that's pieces of that that a lot of people never really got to see, especially back then. You know, they didn't do behind the scenes footage back, you know, back when that was shot. So you get to go on a, on a ride for a lot of different perspectives of like the impact of this on each of these people at different levels a part of, you know, the I Love Lucy phenomenon. I like the idea of watching Lucy's brain work, mm-hmm. basically to watch her work a scene, work it out in her mind, make changes on the fly that are so dramatic and how she's just like, look, oh, hold on, do it again, do it again, run it like this, turn this around, do this, we'll cut this, like literally like making a scene up like as improv, basically, that's going to turn into, you know, an actual scene that happens. I think that's great. Yeah, and I think she had a great scene with her executive producer too near the end. I love that scene when he, you know, <laughs> he said he said, tell them, you know, tell them none of it's none of your fucking business. He said, yeah. you know, make that the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. She's like, like, and then she's like, no. Yeah. Well, you know, because it's one of her most memorable lines, mm-hmm. you know, is the one that she brings up, which I thought was a was a cool callback. Because fans of I Love Lucy will know that line. Sure. Which is neat because it's never mentioned at all up until that point. Mm-hmm. I think that's some of the most interesting stuff. For example, that scene when um, uh, Lucille pulls the writer Vivian in the in, in the in the back of this back of behind the set, and she's like, "We need to f- we need to do something here. We need to fix this." And she pulls Vivian back because like she's the female writer of the comedy duo. Yep, he's the one that's like she's like, "You're gonna see this my way. You have to see this my way." And I just there's so much insight there into you know the. The, the dialogue and language of comedy in the 50s. And that's just oh, something yeah. I, th- I find fascinating. I mean, that's something we just don't get very much of, especially when you when you see the whole gag play out with the when she redoes the scene in her head with having those two sit on uh, a one, having the two cool love, quarreling lovers sit on one table and like like elbow each other and then they both elbow each other and fall off. Like it's it sounds so hokey, but when you see it play out, it's like that's actually kind of cool. It just well, especially because then, like that was like the funniest stuff you'd see on TV. Yeah, if you did that now, you'd be like, "What the?" Fuck? Yeah, yeah. But it, it was <laughs> that, that was high comedy back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then too, you do get an inside look about how TV was shot or how it was made and shot in that era, and like all the stuff that goes behind the scenes. Like they went, they didn't like CBS who was filming the show in distribution, you know, putting the show on TV did not have final say over something. They went to the CEO president of the cigarette company, Philip Morris, because he, they owned the show. Yeah. Like what a different world that is. You know what I mean? Could you imagine being like, listen, we called up the head of Philip Morris now and it was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> NBC's like, nah. <laughs> 
like just I thought a real thing. seeing some of the politics at play is just it's something that I think this movie doesn't get written by anyone but Aaron Sorkin is is what I'm trying to get at. It's just he's such a niche. He picks a specific time and just that day's span. Same with your crowd Chicago Seven we we, we just saw. I mean, it, he's just so good at that, and that's what and that's kind of where Sorkin shines. This is a movie that I'm. I'm sorry that we slept on as as on this at this particular podcast. Not that it matters. We we just I'm glad saw we circle back to it. Like I yeah, I, I'm I, very okay with. This I movie. enjoyed this movie. When this came out in December, I think uh, that was a big time for it in December. That's a huge time yeah. for any movie, really. But you know, we haven't seen it till now. But I'm very glad we did get to eventually. Excuse me. Well, circle back to it. And I, I, go ahead, oh, I was gonna say. I just want to talk about the ending for a minute. Like, sure. Like, the last ten minutes of this movie, there's a lot of tension there. Sure. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of things that happen real quick, and it's it, it it like pulls it it pulls to like the ending strip of I think like two or three different things we're following the whole time, and yep. it hits you quick, and it it was impactful. Like it's like, strong, it's emotional, and I I don't know. I thought that was a very very just very tight bow to fit on the very end of that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. I don't think it had. I don't think it comes out you quick because. If I if if you're talking about what let's just call it the lipstick, are you talking about the lipstick? Well, the lipstick does happen very quick. Well, that's all part of that whole scene that yeah. just kind of unfolds. But that but that's, that's the capper of that scene. Though. But for yeah. but for instance, that that lipstick thing is set up several times before. Like it's, I don't think you can call it slow when they refer to it five times before the actual the actual confrontation happens. I don't think the lipstick is referred to as multiple times. I think the lipstick thing happens twice. But but the way. That well, no, 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 hold, hold on, hold on. She accuses him. Of not coming home and being on the boat for any other reason besides playing cards they, several uh, times. Let's let the audience know what's going on. So they're they're you know having some marital problems, which if you follow the I Love Lucy story, is not a gigantic shock to anyone. Um, but this is kind of how the, a lot of that unfolds and yeah. what happens with their personal lives during this short time and how it all comes to a, a culmination to find out something about what Desi is doing. And how it all plays through. Well, and I'm talking specifically the lipstick parts. You know, like, like you're talking about the overall, like news article and you know tabloid thing, and the fact that she brings up a few times. I'm talking about the specific lipstick thing. Well, no, so so am I though. I, I guess to me, it doesn't it doesn't seem quick because I mean they refer to it several times before they finally get to it. It's quick in the way that it's very sudden in that scene, though, because it's nothing that you're thinking of in that part. And that part, all you're well, because they're coming off a very emotional part about where you know the crowd had given her a standing ovation, and you know the president called in. uh, Well, the head of the C, uh, head of the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, but like all all that happened. Yeah, Jed, Jed Groover. (laughs) Yeah, and then all of a sudden, as like while there's there's a lot of celebration, then it just it just drops that part on you as well. That, that's, that's what I mean by it. it is very sudden. And that, in that it comes at you quick in that particular spot. Cause it's not at all on the forefront until she brings it up immediately. Mm-hmm. It's it actually, works. it's actually brilliant the way they do it too. I no, thought no, it was I, just, I agree. I agree. Man, brilliant in the way that she, I mean, there's not much in this movie. That's not great. Right. Yeah. No, I think I agree with that. No, I, I agree. hundred, one hundred percent that you're right about that. There's not much. that isn't great. Because I mean, again, that's what Sorkin does: is he sets up and then he he follows through with, you know, he's a veteran writer of the industry. But there's so okay. Let me ask you this thing, guy. We've been talking about things we love. What is there anything you thought you just didn't like about this movie? Like just straight up, just did not like it. No, I'm good with most of it, honestly. I think it works pretty well. I think if I have any issues, it's just it's just the way that they kind of hop around a little bit. And I talked to you guys at one before we started that there's a scene that threw me off because all of a sudden there was a baby. And like, yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, you like, can bring that up too. So you know, I mean, so 
th- this focuses on on their second child, and she becomes pregnant. You know, during what would be the shooting the of filming, some, yep. you know, some of their episodes, and beyond just mentioning how big she got with her first child, there's no mention of their first kid at all. Like, you don't see it, you don't hear it, you don't. They don't talk about it, and then all of a sudden, about two, three fourths through this movie. Uh, Desi's walking out with their kid. It's like, yeah. I was really thrown off like, oh, did we just go forward in time? But it's not, but it's, it's very jarring at times. It, it's kind of jarring at times, I should say, with some of the, like, the time hopping. Because they don't, they don't just plaster it on your screen, like, how far back they are or anything like that. So that would be my only complaint for the movie. Let me, let me, big one. let me ask you guys a question about Lucille Ball as portrayed by Nicole Kidman. Sure. Do you think that this... Oh, it's a two-part question. The first part being, do you think this is how she would, like, this was written, so everything, every line of dialogue was written from the get-go by Sorkin, or do you think because it was Kidman that any anything was changed, or Kidman's, or like, Kidman's like, I want to play the Super Bowl this way, or do you think that's how it was written by Sorkin? I assume it's a combination of both, yeah. right? You probably get a decent outline with Sorkin, and you let, you let Nicole Kidman go be Nicole Kidman, you know, outside of her doing AMC ads. Recently, I seen her do much. <laughs> you let Nicole Kidman go be Nicole Kidman being Lucille Ball. That's what yeah. you do. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Yeah, like, I and, think she does well. And, I'm and sure, I think she really looked like her, too, oh, by the end of it. And I'm sure I, – well, I feel like she became that character yeah. very well. But then I'm sure they had outside direction from the people that they had, they had interviewed about stuff, too. Oh, yeah. You know. You know well, hey, I mean, it's not like they don't have plenty of TV footage to pull from, it, too. As, yep, as well. So, no, I think – I think it's probably a combination of both. I agree with that because I think when you have an actor that does as well as Nicole Kidman, that you kind of let her do her thing when she feels like she can. Right. That's why. You of have course. That yeah. Thing. That's, that's, you know, the, the, the allure of having someone like Nicole Kidman is, you know, she's more than just a paid performer. That's good. She also brings huge gravitas to the role, much like Javier Bourdain does. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Desi for a second. How, they pretty much portray Desi as like man's man. He he's is a, a dude. He's a guy's guy. He he's is a, like one of the he's, he's a Cuban dude is what he, he is. If the if the who is the what company is um is it the men's warehouse? It's like you'll like the way I you wait, you'll like the way you look. I yeah. guarantee it. Is he the is he like I feel like he's that guy that of guy, that age. Yeah. yeah, or it's like the what's the, the, the Remember the, the beginning of the Elvis trailer? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I really That's love the way really inside joke people. <laughs> I really love the way they portrayed. Um, I really love the way they portrayed Desi, uh, in in this one. I again, I don't know much about Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz outside of, you know, popular culture and you know, for instance, this movie, and just what I what I know from the, the you know from TV decades ago. But I I imagine these are pretty faithful renderings of the characters. I would sure. imagine so. Yeah, that's Anna. Um. I think it works, man. Yep. There's a lot to love in being the Ricardos. And I, do you think that at one time, I mean, okay, let me ask you about, could you see this movie theatrically released? I or is this always yeah. an Amazon? Well, I'm sure, I mean, I bet you Amazon spent a lot of money to get this, mm-hmm. but I absolutely think it could have been a theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, it, in a world where we've seen some really bad movies in theater, this could have been a decent movie that was you know put out instead of it being on amazon only i kind of see it this would have done very well theatrical it would have done fine made tons of money it would have 
you know, I, I kind of miss those days. <laughs> I think streaming has, I don't, I was just thinking about this the other day and you really don't have time anymore to gestate with an audience that you used to, you know, a theatrically a movie could, you know, it, it would go, it, would, it had a guaranteed three, three weeks, maybe four to five, depending on performance. Some yep. movies didn't do well and they got yanked sooner. Roger, you know all about this. Sure. Some movies did better than expected and they just stayed, you know, and you know, you got, you got contracts of, in, 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 for instance, in movie theaters, you have contracts that dictate this movie has to be in your biggest house for X number of weeks, or at least uh, an, an auditorium with X number of seats for this many weeks. It's it's a tough one to to kind of jung, uh, juggle for us, think theater managers at a, at a point. But we get so many movies these days that I, I don't think it's. I honest to God think it sometimes isn't fair to the movies that get released because a movie like this coming out, being the recorder is coming out in December like it did. I think it gets passed over pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, because, it would have got swallowed. And I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, we're, it's ne- it's never going to get better. It's just going to keep getting more and more content. Well, it's just the fact that there are so many ways to watch things anymore, which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, think about it hypothetically. If this movie got released, what, Christmas week, let's say, you know, prime time for movies like this. I mean, it's gone in three weeks. Yeah. It it just would have been, yeah. Where you know, on a thing like Amazon, it just can kind of do its thing, and, yeah, and then, you know, as it generates more and more buzz, which it has, it brings more and more eyes to it. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's pretty cool. Besides, yeah. we didn't hear anything much about this at all for us who you know sees all of this stuff or most of this stuff anyway. Uh, up until what two weeks before it was released, mm-hmm. so. Well, and then like you know, something like this gets gets Oscar buzz, and all of a sudden you can just turn it on 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 a streaming service. It actually probably gets more viewership that way than it would have if it was in theaters. Oh, sure. Because if I don't, I think if it goes to theaters only and streaming's not a thing, this is one of those movies where when the Oscars come and you were trying to watch a whole bunch of movies in December and you didn't go see this, you're like, what the hell movie is that? You know, they get a whole bunch of nominations. Well, the way things used to be too in the movie theater, when stuff would get nominated for Oscars is when you'd see a lot of it hit the movie theater, especially around here because we're not exactly, you know, big market. You'd get these movies to movie theaters for the first time. For a movie like Being the Ricardos, you don't even get to do that because it's just like, hey, you want to watch it? It's at home on Amazon. Yeah. So. But it's it's every bit as like big budget performance as anything else. I mean, oh, yeah. those, oh, none of those sets are cheap. Good lord, that that, <laughs> that movie. I mean, they didn't spare any expense. It looked like. I mean, everything was you know looked to be atmospheric. It looked to be you know every single thing. It's just that movie. I think is probably deceptively expensive. Not only because of the cast, but because well, of all the sets they had the to build. <laughs> well, well, not only because of the cast, but I mean. I think some of those sets are way more extravagant than people think they may have been being what it is. But I mean, also it's, I mean, this is, that's not a small potatoes uh, thing for Amazon either. It, that, that, that wasn't Amazon studios one, right? It was, it's an original. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I thought. So I mean, that wouldn't have been a cheap thing to shoot either. That would have been very expensive, especially when Nicole Kidman, Harvey Bardem themselves probably command quite a salary. That's, well, that's maybe they joke. take less for something like this. Cause they're like, Hey, we got some real stuff that might be, you know, take a look at this script. Let me know what you think. We think it'll be something big. And then it is something big. So let's compare, let's compare Jen. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm Nicole Kidman to, you know, I mean, Roger, you watch respect with Jennifer Hudson. Yes. That's one that I didn't get to. And Chris, you didn't get to it either. Did you? No, no I did not. How would you compare? I know the ones are musical ones, not, but how would you compare Kidman's kind of being Lucille Ball to, to Hudson 
in respect? How how would you how would you compare the two performances? Well, I mean, I think they both do very well, but um, respect is a very different type of movie, so it's hard to compare that apples to apples sort of thing. Um, but I mean, either one of them excellent in each role. Jennifer Hudson is like legitimately built for performances like that. But then, like Nicole Kidman, she kills it in this movie. She does she kills it? She does an excellent job. Um, I mean, it's just it's like Renelle Zellweger and Judy. I, I I did watch Judy. I don't know if you guys did get get catch that one. But I mean, it's as I far did, as you know what I did watch Judy. That's the Garland Judy Garland movie. That movie's depressing as shit. <laughs> it's good, but it's also very good though. I mean, that's the thing. I'm I'm talking about the 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 actresses, you know, becoming that character yeah, yeah. is what I mean. Like it's just it's so impressive to me watching some of these people become. I mean, I understand like that's the whole well, they're an actor. I understand that, but you know, we talk about all the time about we just don't feel a certain character, a certain actor did the character justice or whatever whatever the case may be in a certain movie. I think this is not that case. This is, you know, the opposite. The better of that case is they killed it. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem just nailed it. And I was yeah. very I was very impressed with the supporting cast. Uh, Tony Hale, for example, I thought he did a phenomenal job. I just, um, it's just Man, I agree, and and uh, J.K. Simmons has some of the funniest lines <laughs> in the movie. I mean, he talks about beating up a child. It wasn't even ten minutes in the movie. He's talking about beating up kids. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm surprised you yes. didn't. I'm surprised you didn't bring that up, Roger. <laughs> it's assumed that I was on board. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, J.K. Simmons says he wants to fight a kid. I went, hell yeah, we do. <laughs> he J.K. Simmons is right up there on par in this movie. I think with. Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, as far as, you know, heavy depth of performance. Well, yeah. I mean, and we talk about uh, personas that just demand presence in a ro- when they're in a room. Yeah. And that's uh, JK's one of them. Javier's another one. He just does that very well. And we're going to talk about another one in the next movie, too, where, you know, just guys that a- absolutely command that, you know, that attention when they're there and they just steal the spotlight. Power, even help powerful. Them. It's charismatic. It really is charismatic. charismatic. Hmm. That's a good word to have as an actor. It's a good. It's a good adjective to be described as as an actor. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> charismatic. Charismatic. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's move to score this, shall we? Agreed. Uh, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Yeah, go right ahead, yeah, Um, th- this this movie is is great. I I would we we kind of missed it at the time, but I'm glad we came back to it. I think Nicole Kibben, Harvey Bardem are wonderful. I think the other performances are great. I love the. This the, I, I love the the visual. I love the the sets. I love everything about this. This is an eight point five for me. This is. Ooh. I wanted to give it a nine. I really did, but then I compared it to Coda, which I thought was just did things a little better. Um, but we're we're not talking about like even noticeably bled like on on a measurable scale. It's not that much better. Like half a point, I think, is where it sits below Coda. But I loved. I love Coda, and I love being the Ricardos, and I I I really enjoyed Nightmare Alley too. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go next. Good, right, buddy. I um, this one for me. So this movie's great, and the the acting is so good. The dialogue is so witty, and I love witty dialogue. And it's not witty where it becomes eye rolly. It's witty because it's just it's just damn good, and it's entertaining, and it's funny. And you watch people get just burnt alive by <laughs> by Lucille Ball in this, and it's fantastic when it happens. And I just I had a really good time with that. Plus, this movie hit me on a personal level, and I, I got emotional at a few points in it. This uh, this movie is an eight for me. This is really good. I you know I I, I won't 
movies like this I won't ever turn on again, you know, on purpose. But like if I if anyone ever asked me, you know, if I want to watch it, I'll tell them sure turn on it's a good movie. Sure. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So uh I give uh also an eight point five. Uh I think it's an excellent movie. I have a good friend of mine who is a I Love Lucy fan and I uh, messaged her as I had started watching it, asked her if she had seen it yet. She said she had not and was waiting to know, know, let me know what I thought. And I let her know right after. I was like, hey, it's it's pretty good. And so, you know, I think you'll appreciate it. So I'm movie. here for it. Good movie. I'm super happy you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I, yeah. Man, it's a good one. And we are – let's uh, transition into another good movie that we did not watch at the time in December, but we are catching up with now. Let's talk about Nightmare Alley. Let me get some Rotten Tomato scores out of the way. Let's, well, this one is also the scores were also yanked from this one too. Interesting. Well, this one this this one was a little no. I'm I, I lied. It just appeared eighty percent on the tomato meter and sixty eight percent audience score. That's I can see where this movie's not for everybody. This though. I this definitely can. Long movies. Well, Chris, see this also come down. Well, see this, this this kind of falls into the like. Not as much as Licorice Pizza, but I think I can see people watch this and be like, I don't even, what? You know, like, how did he become the, what, when did, did I miss something? Was he the geek in the beginning? Like, I mean, I, I can see how people would be asking that question. You know, it's just, so let's jump right into it then, shall we? Nightmare Alley, directed by a one Guillermo del Toro, which is is no, he's no stranger to, the, to this genre. Um, he, he, he genre being weird well he brings his own <laughs> it's like a detective noir story but he kind of brings his own kind of spin to it and and what you'd expect to you know man doing he did what pans pans labyrinth also guillermo does hey, help hell hell boy. as well yeah uh directed by guillermo Didn't of he course pacific rim he did yeah hell yeah he did we're canceling <laughs> the apocalypse that movie hell yeah the right. first one, not the second one. <laughs> I had to specify. <laughs> All right. Bradley Cooper, Kay Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen, David Strathairn, Holt McCauley, Clifton Collins Jr. Have How many movies this, this past year did we see with a cast that big? I mean, mm-hmm. the cast in this is huge, just like the last one. Yeah, it's weird. Like the Oscar movies got big, good casts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Odd. Now, a little bit. We didn't. This movie did not do well theatrically. It did not. It did not. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't watch it. Right. Like yeah. I believe at our local AMC because it came out in the in December. Mm-hmm. Like and it died in like two or three weeks. Well, and then whatever wasn't like Spider Man just put the death nail in it pretty quick. Yes. So we just, that's the reason we passed on it, folks. Not because we didn't think it was going to be good, but because it just wasn't doing the numbers. So, I mean, and, and when we had so much content to talk about, we had to cut something. And that just, unfortunately, was Nightmare Alley. But we are getting back to it now. And that's always a good thing. So let's get into it. Roger, what's Nightmare Alley about? Uh, how awesome carnival people are. <laughs> Carnies. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that so, explanation. I, I don't know. So, my take on this movie is that it's i know this is based on a book that was then made into a theatrical movie like way well like 1947 way yeah i was gonna say it was like in the 40s and this movie is about a um a man a man who is running from it seems like you know a darker past and it starts out with him 
showing up and working for a carney, learning how carney life works, and then taking on tutelage ship with some people that are uh, they're they do a sh- like a psychic show, but it's more like it's it's mentalism is what they say. Yeah, and then eventually he uh, gathers enough skills from what he learns while working the carnival to go off with someone else and do his own act, which at that point buries him into some things that once he starts getting involved in the death of loved ones, it goes down a very a few dark turns and ends up becoming a movie about inevitability. I think is a good word to use. I think a few dark turns is understating what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is understating it, but, but it, it's not inaccurate either. It's, well, it's a man's like, a it's a man's like descent into madness, which he doesn't come out of. That's, That's I mean, we don't know that. We didn't see. We, we didn't see the his his end. But I mean, I think they could have had a happy end. That's possible. You know I, what I mean? what? <laughs> what happy end do you want? Being hooked on opium until you die. Yeah, that sounds cool. fucking awesome. What was that? What was that one movie we watched with um Owen and Selma Hayek? Clive Owen. No, 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 Owen Wilson. That, that was that weird Amazon movie where they were like in a video game. Oh God, oh God, that movie. I forget what it was called. That movie, that movie messed up my with my brain so hard. I forget what it was called, but like that kind of had that vibe. So I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Or like you know, at times like you're questioning what's you know there's we know you know when the third act is really starting, you're like, what? Wait, did I miss something here? Because like I mean, it's meant to. It's anyway. Let's let's start at the beginning then. The, the movie can be very jarring. I think that's by design. No, I, th- I think you're right about that. I mean, it's of course, of course by design. So let's talk about Stanton Carlisle for a second. First of all, that's a great name, by the way. It's very it powerful. It is. And also, before we begin, if you if you did if you were questioned if Bradley Cooper was a good actor, watch this movie, right? Because he does a, he does fantastic. I think he I think he takes on this role very well. Hold on, hold on. Dude. Bradley Cooper versus Javier Bardem, who does it better in their movie? Hmm. It's hard. I'm gonna I go mean, with Harv. I'm gonna go with Javier. I, I gotta. I have to go with Javier. Like, I don't know. Cooper does. He he has a very emotional performance in this. Yeah, I mean, and he's like super crazy at some points. So, uh, we got that going for him. I mean, being playing playing a person who's crazy is uh, also tough as hell. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he gets emotional a lot. He does it with class too, and and he does it, he does very good. He's very believable. And he draws you in, you know, you, you feel for, for him in the moments, that kind oh, of thing. So I want to point out something about Bradley Cooper's character, old Stan Carlisle. All right. <laughs> so, so not going to say Bradley Cooper is not a super tall guy. He's like six one. Okay. He's not super tall, but he's tall. Yeah. At points in this movie with this big blocky suit, doesn't he look like a hulking menace oh, of a yeah. dude? Yeah. Like there are sometimes I'm like, are all these people just significantly <laughs> shorter than him? Besides the strong man on set? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like that man, Ron Perlman is not a small man. No, he's and not. it looks like at one point he towers above him. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on yeah. here? Old old Stanny C, mm-hmm. Stanley Cooper. You think oh. they call him Stanny? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. <laughs> no, I it's mean, not. you literally watch him hit someone in the face so hard he breaks their face open. I mean, oh, oh yeah, broke his nose. You don't want to. You don't want to piss Listen, off Stan Carlisle. People die every day. <laughs> Sometimes it's being bludgeoned to death till your nose gets collapsed. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not always that way, but at least once. It was. I love the key. The key word probably not always that way. Yeah. So let's t- let's start at the beginning then. Mm-hmm. 
before we get any dialogue out of Stan Carlisle or who Bradley Cooper's character, as we're calling him at that point, because we don't know his name yet. Yeah. He has put a body in a floorboard, started a fire and walked out and stole a radio and stole a radio and hopped in the cab. Well, he stole a watch. And the radio, radio might have been his. Well, I mean, we have to assume everything's stolen, right? Okay, I'll give you, I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, is it though? What we 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 assume it, we assume everything's stolen. I mean, why not? Because he does. The point in this movie, he does make pretty good money. He'd buy everything. I think for himself, we should but... bring back short ties. Yeah, short right? wide ties. Yeah. Why did that ever go away? <laughs> Thank you for that, Roger. I appreciate that. <laughs> what a good use of time here. Um, anyway. Anyway, so anyway, so and then we get then he gets to a carnival, in which. He kind of assimilates in. He kind of, you know, gets in under the guise of being kind of pathetic and needing a job. And then our old buddy Willem Dafoe—I forget what his name is—old Willem, who's in, who's also wonderful in this. But he's either way, is there anything that is there anything that Willem Dafoe isn't great in? Let's well, that's the thing. Like, like he's he's the other guy when I was talking about uh, just charismatic actors that demand attention when they're when they're in scene. It's Willem Dafoe. Yeah, he's you know his role in this. Is not a whole. It's not a whole lot, but it's it's. You don't know it until the, near the end, but it's pivotal, and <laughs> and you and it's memorable. It's the biggest thing. When you know his scene, his biggest scene in this movie is so memorable that like when it co- wraps back to it, there's no way that you forgot that scene. There's no way as a as a viewer that that escapes you. That you know that there's a full circle happening all of a sudden, and you remember exactly the conversation they have because it's just he's such a good actor of like just taking over. You mean the temporary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought. Okay. The temporary. Well, I'll I mean, the, the whole thing. You, like, like, you can feel it coming. You know what I mean? And it's oh, just yeah. when it does, it's like, ah, there it is. I I think this movie's awesome. I like, like this movie. At yeah. first, I was kind of like, what the hell's going on? It took me like 20 minutes to get on board. Once I was on board, I was in. Did you? And I watched it twice. Mm-hmm. I did not watch it twice because I did not it's, have time. Did you, did you watch it twice? It's a different watch the second time around. I did not have 300 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so it's a different watch the second time around because the, I, I knew nothing about this going in. And you watch this all the way through and you're on this this very much, you know, this this ride of, you know, Watching this man, you know, just dissent and make all the wrong decisions, even though all the warnings were in place, you know, and like you're watching and you're long for this ride. And so it's very suspenseful. The second time you watch it, it's like it's like watching a it's like watching a train wreck. Slow motion car crash. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's like watching an accident unfold in front of you. And you're like, I can't stop this. Oh, my God. I see everything. Yeah. Just, just put the foot down. Let's see every bit of the things that lead him to disaster with, on, on a rewatch. And it's brilliant. I love this movie. Listen, there is one thing in this world I appreciate. It's the hustle over Carney. God damn. <laughs> you are just built different. Yep. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, I mean, we're, 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 we don't live in that time anymore either. So that's, I mean, that's that's an age long Who knows? Past. Carnies are coming back. Says, Bring says, back carnivals. Says, wait, is that a real thing? It's, no. It's my promise once the apocalypse hits. I will bring back carnies. The dark carnival? <laughs> Mm. You live your juggalo lifestyle. <laughs> hey, I know a guy I can call for just yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the, I think the we carnival all got a then. Juggalo friend. <laughs> let's talk about juggalo, the carnival for a second. Juggalo acquaintance. That's true. Let's talk about the carnival for a second. Then I yeah, think I we talk more about juggalos for a while. Can we just not? I, thanks. Why? <laughs> why? Why is that relevant at all? 
uh, the dark carnival. We're about to talk about fucking carnivals. I don't... Fair. Okay. Well, and in this carnival, let's talk. Let's talk about this carnival as a carnival as a setting for a second. Let's talk about how how much you appreciate the detail and the and the level of respect for bringing for like reimagining old carnivals that, that that they had for this film. The the set pieces in this are great, and I don't know. It seems like super. I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm gushing about this movie, but the sets felt like they were super high quality, right? Yeah. Yes, like, of course. Like the yeah, highest quality budget you can get. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I felt like, well, while I was watching this, especially um, not just the carnival, but like when we get to like uh the psychoanalysis office, mm-hmm. like her office just seemed like very like there's rays of light coming through. It's very high class or the snow is reflect it's snowing so much it's reflecting on the the highly polished floor you're like 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 the sets were great and and the carnival doesn't hold anything back either the uh the fun house he gets he gets um the house of damnation yeah that's what it's called house of damnation for boating again on the second watch you see all these things like whoa you know, and like, there's one point, <laughs> look like, at yourself, sinner. Yeah, the, like, the mirror. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, that's that's dark. Just the carnival was just it was dark and gringy and dirty, and it just everything looked sticky. <laughs> just they did a very good job on that entire this the entire set piece of this movie. And I don't know about great. I don't know about sticky, but it just looked like when you went to that carnival, you're you're walking out, and your clothes are going to be all there's, muddy. There's a geek pit. Of course, it looks sticky. Yeah, where he bites in the live chickens until they die <laughs> yeah you can't tell me that man was sticky i don't know i mean there's a lot of words you could use to describe the geek i don't, I don't know how that's you... true it's incredible <laughs> sure sure yeah. so let's talk about then where we go with stan <laughs> it's a let's well i mean there are a lot of very guillermo elements in the car the carnival itself is a very is very guillermo ish okay um del toro if you ask me i mean that's i mean if 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 I like if you show me that and you're like, did the guy who made Pan's Labyrinth make that car create that set? I'm like, yes, of course he did. One hundred percent made that set. Um then there's also what do they call it? Epoch. The Enoch. weird Enoch. Enoch, sorry. The 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 weird um the baby that didn't survive in a jar. With three who, eyes. With the third eye who I love the description of Enoch though. Uh, wait, what wait, what's his name? Epoch. Enoch, Enoch. okay. Enoch. How the eyes follow you like a portrait. Yeah. But I mean, that's very thematic is, you know, the 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 baby who came out, who killed his mother during childbirth, didn't survive himself. I mean, there's a lot of Stan in that as well, um, especially with when you realize Stan's relationship to his father and you see like how the scene in the house actually plays out, which yeah. I thought was very. I mean, again, Chris, dark is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> just, I love just, how he just drapes just the blanket, blanket over himself. Yeah. just like, you cold? That's so <laughs> That sucks for you, pal. <laughs> you cold, bro? Sorry. Yeah. It's it's very... I don't see anyone else making this movie. I mean, I can understand why no one else would want to make it. But, I mean, if someone's going to make it, I'm glad it was Guillermo because it's just weird enough that it had to be him. And sure. I do I do like Rooney Mara's character as well. Kind of... She, I think... Because there's always got to be a character that, like, we kind of go with we are that character because we're like normal people yeah carlisle is not i don't think is that character for us no no he's because he's because he's kind of a he's an ass not that character for you <laughs> fair okay for you maybe <laughs> but like i think rooney mar is a much more identifiable and um relatable character for us because she well, i mean she's gonna be more relatable for most people because she's like an average person trying to make it through and yeah, then yeah. she 
literally, you know, follows the guy that she loves and just gets caught in this whirlwind. So much that she's like, I can't do this anymore. I'd argue that we don't get enough of her character to, I mean, I think that might be what makes her kind of the most relatable is because we don't have a lot of, of her puzzle piece. We don't learn about her dark carnival life. Well, well, I mean, we don't, honestly, though. Like, we don't get like, a big piece of her past. We don't get, you know, what her true ambitions are besides just... You know, you know, beautiful woman falls in love with a beautiful man, and sure. they run off beautiful together. Man. Well, you know, I mean, let, let, let's be—I well, mean, yes, look, yes. look, Bradley Cooper is a beautiful man. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's a beautiful man. So it's, but I don't think we get enough of her character. I think that's one of my few complaints about the movie is she wasn't very fleshed out. Now, in a, in a movie that's two and a half hours long, perhaps you don't flesh out every character, or maybe that she didn't make the cut. Wait, okay, let me let me ask you then, Chris. You say she wasn't fleshed out. Let me ask you a question. What? part of her character wasn't fleshed out what questions did you have about her character well i mean a few things i just mentioned you know like we don't know how she got there why she got there you know we we, we just talk we just hear a little bit of the strongman talk about her about knowing her father and well, then we, we don't know, know how and why well but we don't know what what's driving her you know or why why she decides to go off besides just for love you know what i mean with you know with our main character there's not enough of her character that we get to dive into to have anything to relate to. Did you see his chest hair though? I did. That's <laughs> I get it. I mean, the only thing that that we that we know is that she falls in love with with uh, oh, a beautiful man with a beautiful man, and they and she wants to go with him. We don't know anything else about you know how what the goals were or why besides love. Me and Stan forever. You know we did. You know we don't get anything. About well, her they they leave to do their own act is what see we I mean. A little context here is at the carnival, Stanley meets. He sees a he sees a sign that says "Baths Ten Cents," and Tony Collette immediately gets a hand job. Sure, Tony Collette. I love how that's a takeaway for you, Roger. Is that there you know, is a bathtub hand job? I mean, so. listen. Am I wrong? I Did mean, that not look, happen immediately afterwards. You're not wrong, but like that shouldn't this be the is, takeaway. This is film I, analysis, sir. Again, sticky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Chris, you have 30 seconds of time out. Okay. Tony, <laughs> yes. Tony Collette, Zena, and David Strathairn's Pete are kind of uh, – they together they form like a, a team that does – like they, 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 they scam the room with – what do they call Mentalists or mentalism? Yeah. Of mentalism. mentalism with – she's the assist. no, sorry. He's the assistant, obviously, and she's the one on stage – or no, it was vice, vice versa. She's and, running the show. She's run the show, and, and he's, he's the assistant, but – the way she talks to her, keywords let her know how to answer certain questions so the room thinks she's brilliant. But yeah. they have a whole cipher system, a keyword system worked out. So no matter what happens, no matter what the audience is holding or wearing, they can – with a blindfold on, they can – he can know it by what she's saying. Yeah, it's to, all verbal what, yeah. cues based to like – you know, using what words that they use and you know how many letters are in the words that they use about what colors things are and – Stuff like that. I mean, it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. I mean, listen, the carnival's a hell of a game, man. But you like, see, Pete's a very they, important character. They used to make so much money back then running that, I guess. Yeah. Think about it. A quarter back in the day when they were paying people a dollar a day, yep. a quarter to watch this dude bite chickens to death. <laughs> of a whole like, tent. On, a full what? tent full of people, quarter yeah. piece. Now that I'm out of timeout, I do agree that Pete is a very pivotal character. I mean, it, it, it acts as a second father figure for him because he learns from him. Sure. Like that. And he ultimately snuffs out his light. Yeah, well, you know, again. Which, okay, serious question. Do you think he did that on purpose? Yes. Well, 
I did too. He admits but then I thought it. about it more, and I'm just like, I don't know if he entirely thought he would die. I don't think he thought he would die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I that that's what I meant. Okay. I don't think he meant to like kill him. I thought he meant to incapacitate Pete yep. to take over what he was doing. Yes. And Pete died. Well, didn't he admits it Spoiler. later? He admits it later to the psychologist. Well, yeah, but again, you know, he's probably he's, he's harboring a lot of guilt. It doesn't mean uh, that's what his intention was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stan yeah. Carlisle's a pretty messed up person. He is 100. So let's be honest. I mean, Stan Carlisle is the best of us. <laughs> no, he's not. Roger, jeez, man. There's there's that echo again. Um, so Pete's a very important character, but I mean, it's there's a lot of daddy issues with Stan that I mean, oh. the movie kind of hits you over the head with. Tell me more. I I just did daddy issues. All right. So going there, I mean. We, I mean, Stan is obviously the protagonist of this movie, but I mean, he's kind of also the bad guy as well. The antagonist as well. <laughs> you know, the world I, versus Stan. It's just or Stan versus the world. What is it? Stan versus the world, I guess. But I mean, he has a very well. There was a point in this movie where I, I thought, like, I legitimately thought that they were going to pull the rug off under us, and this whole thing was like in his head. And he never left the cab, or he dreamed this. He dreamt this all when you know, in the cab, it does that really weird. So he he, he gets in a bus. Sorry, I keep saying a cab, a bus. Early in the day, there's still daylight, mm-hmm. and then it like does this thing where like it, the camera like tracks towards the window and it goes dark. But like he's it's it's an, it's an effect because like Cooper's still sitting there in real time, but um, or Stan, I should say, and like it goes. So I, I thought the movie at one point when we kind of things are revealed, especially with um. What's her name? Kate um, Blanchett's character. I thought, oh my god, this is all in his head. Um, I thought that was going to be the case. Did you guys also think that? I never went there, but with you saying it, I know it's a possible. Thread I could see that now. That. You brought it up. It yeah. didn't occur to me that way, though. Yeah, I can see exactly why you could pull on that thread. Hundred percent. I kind of part of me was glad they didn't do it but the high stylization of like like the snow scenes and stuff like that i think leads into that being a possibility because it just seems so stylized and so like big cinematic wise that it's like it's almost it's almost like it's pulled from it's not reality because it just looks so hyper you know like polished and neat you know with how it's almost like a dream sequence could have been so i can see where you're pulling that from especially like you know the visuals of the movie too you think it hurts to get shot in here but Sucks very much. So, <laughs> do you hold hold on a sec? Hold on a sec. Do you love asking redundant questions or like rhetorical questions? Yes. Seems to be his wheelhouse. <laughs> what? Who's gonna say no? Nah, you know, it's kind of pleasant getting shot in the ear. Actually, I mean, listen. If I had to take getting shot in the ear compared to other places, I could be shot. I'll take the ear a lot of times. That's true. Well, it depends if it's grazing the ear or if it's like it's a, someone pointing a gun in the ear because then you're dead. Well, that's not that's not the ear. That's the head. The ears just in the way. Fine, yeah. fine, fine, fine. Um, well, so okay, so we're getting a little off track with the getting shot in the ear thing, but let's let's talk about for a second Blanchett's character. Let's talk yeah. about Lilith Ritter, also another fantastic name. I love the name Lilith. And let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about okay. And Willem Dafoe, Clem Holtley, <laughs> and uh, Good Richard Barker, fucking <laughs> Clem Holtley, Good old Clem. <laughs> And Richard Jenkins, Ezra Grindle. Like, these are phenomenal names. Ezra Grindle. I mean, Ezra. Honest, wait, hold on. These these names, honest to God, they could fit in the Harry Potter universe. All of them. Yeah. Ezra is the name of a serial killer. Absolutely. Yeah, like Molly Cahill. Maybe not Molly Cahill, but I mean. Or a small accountant from Brooklyn. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, 
so let's talk about Lilith Ritter for a second, Blanchett's character. First of all, does this woman ever age? No. I don't, I don't think, honestly, I don't think she ages. Um, let's talk about her for a second, her kind of role. Chris, how'd you take her? I mean, what do you mean? She's, she, she, she ends up being the true antagonist later on. You know what I mean? At least, at least for a brief moment. But her character is, she's, she's a powerful woman and she has a very, a very good, like, push and pull relationship with our main character. And when she's on screen, she's, she's good. <laughs> like, I don't know. She's, she's not menacing enough to like, to feel that way. Like she doesn't feel menacing, but you can tell there's, that there's a lot of, a lot of, there's some evil underneath or some bad underneath of everything that she's doing and talking about. And it's especially when she has him on the, um, like, uh, on the therapist couch and she's behind him. It like, you're almost waiting for something terrible to happen, but yeah, it's just enough to where it's like, all right, you know, she's maybe she is on our side. Maybe she does love him. Maybe she is falling for him. All these things. Well, think about it. You want to run a con. Yeah. That's how you do it, man. Long game. (laughs) That that is carnival heaven right right there, man. Now that's just, I know her character was very, was, was not menacing, but just there, there's just this uh, undertone of undertones of evil. And he, and I think he calls it out at one point too, in the movie where it's, I don't know. Her character's, fun to watch on screen with See, especially with our main this is one of the few movies and I, I say few because i don't get this very often but i really did not like stan carlisle as a as, as a lead as a lead character no i Why? just I, I found him to be maybe this is just my like i mean my let's call it romanticized you know notions of what you know a, a male lead of a film should be is like always like the white hat hero, like always do good, never do evil. But like, I get why. I mean, I understand why, but like it, that this Stan Carlisle clashes with <laughs> all Stan I, Carlisle does is evil. Well, he, he's out for himself. I mean, he does, you know, profess to love Mara's character, Molly, but he, I mean, he does. When, I, I, the first I time he gets a chance, he just, when she walks away, he's like, fine, I don't need you anyway. Goodbye. No, no, that was the second time she walks away. He does okay, that. fine. So, yes, yeah, so the second time, but yeah, but only, but he only goes after her because he needs her for the act. Well, and that and that may be true, or maybe both at the same time, because I, I can understand, you no, know, not not wanting to lose the person that that you thought you were going to be with. And sure. Can we, can we talk about for a second how messed up the con was to Ezra Grindel? Can we just talk about that for one yeah. second? How, sure. botched, how botched it was, or or like how you couldn't well, believe it was a plan. Well, it's a dark story. <laughs> I, mean, it is. I mean it's i mean listen in, in weird a, in this movie. in a movie that is dark it's the darkest part it really right? is you know about murders and abortions and all this sort and what leads to more murders forced abortions and Way all different. this like terrible terrible stuff and they decide that this is the guy we're running the con on <laughs> i got this now the one scene that i really did appreciate right is when they have him hooked up to the lie detector, mm-hmm. and you know he's failing the lie detector test. Oh yeah! And then Amelia was like, "I got to do something. I got to do something." Starts running his game. Runs the con, yeah. right? Just bear down. We're going through it. And the funniest thing is when he's running the con, there's no lines. There's right. no lines. Well, that goes. Well, that goes back to what Pete says to him, where you know you you, you start believing your own lies. Yeah, you got to believe it. Yep. 
Yeah, but when and you start believing, well, that's when it gets bad. Yes, exactly, and that's and that's kind of like the that's the a point, turning point point where you see, oh, oh, okay, here we go. He's yeah, be, he's believing his his own juice. Yeah, and in all honesty, like besides ethically, it's terrible. I didn't have a problem with him conning these old rich oh, people no. out of money. Like I don't care. Yeah, you know, whatever they want to give this guy ten grand to have a fake seance, whatever. That's that's your hey, stupid fault. Mom took that seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Mom had a few screws loose. He took it literally. <laughs> With how they, I I didn't understand because that wasn't. No one else knew that. I mean, that would have been fine as a radio broadcast. You know, I don't see why we had to see that, except for the fact that we're seeing the damage that Stan has done. I think we're, we're actually I, seeing the damage. I think that's more it. it, it it's, you know, yeah, that would be fun just having it as a radio broadcast where it tips them off at the same time. We're seeing it as the audience because it, it's, it's a shocking scene. Yes. It's very much. Oh, oh, okay. You know, that's where you are now. And it's also to show that, you know, that Stan's actions are, are now creating true evil. Serious consequences. Yeah, where the, he is responsible now for, you know, upending literal, you know, the lives of people at this point. Not just, you know, you know, some, a con show twice a day, you know, in his, his little theater hall room that he has booked. This is like, he's actually affecting lives on a permanent basis now. Yeah. But like, he of... doesn't know that. That's the thing is like, th- that's one of the it's great not... tragedies to this movie to me is he never, he never learns that, that he, that he caused that woman to shoot her husband and like smile and shoot herself because they want to be reunited with their son. And or... I get why. That's not for him to know. It's for us. That's the audience. Well, no, I understand that, but I mean, but he doesn't. The the, the he, bad guy doesn't learn the awful implications of his actions. Well, that's, hold on, hold on. He wouldn't care. No, he he wouldn't. That is, I mean, that that's 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 the real truth. Is he he wouldn't. He would just. Yeah. He would be like, oh well, sorry. Like, yeah, I mean, well, he wouldn't. I don't even sorry. think it'd be that much. Yeah. No. <laughs> he would just shrug his shoulders. Dang. Their money. Their money spends though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what he would say. Yeah. Yeah. Is the check still good? <laughs> like, so, so, so cash only, bro. Yeah. I guess there's there's a lot more going on in this movie than I than I um, than we've let on already, but we're we're having a, a not as long of a shorter discussion. But there's a lot going on in Nightmare Alley. No, there's. I mean, there, there, there's there's you get multiple points where you know there's warnings to to you know to Stan's character constantly and that he heeds none of them yeah there's not a single one there's two tarot readings that that are that are at him and one that's very the narcissism of that moment was just absolutely delectable where he just straight takes the bad card and goes and flips it upside and now it's fine see i fixed it (laughs) okay that's not how that's that's spooky shit that you're fucking with dude don't do that i mean there's a lot that happens in this that is just i don't know the ride that you're taking on it's 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 a very dark train ride all the way through, and it it's so well crafted that I I just I love the movie. That's, I mean, real it's good. juggalo energy flipping that tarot card around. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you a little, little side conversation, Roger. You seem to have a, a reaction when Chris mentioned he flipped a card and changed it. Mm-hmm. Like you seem to be like, whoa, whoa. Like, do you do you? I'm going to ask you guys. Do you guys put any any kind of stock into like? tarot readings and, and that kind of like soothsaying and seeing future stuff like that do you put any kind of stock into that no i don't personally and i won't knock people who do but i think if you look at it in perspective from stan's character he knows 90 percent of it is 
bullshit. Yes. <laughs> and that matters well, to him, and, or that's why it is that way. Well, I mean, Stanley, he, he truly believes that he is the master of his, of his own design. Mm-hmm. He, he is in full control of what happens to him. And you have to believe that to do the things that he's doing. You know, he has to believe that wholly, you know, to even attempt to to con a man like Ezra, which I want to lead into a question with Ezra to you guys. Did you find him menacing at all? Not as much as his guard guy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, he, that's a big dude anyway. But I, just, I didn't find Ezra, like, to be this menacing force as depicted by Kate Blanchett's character. She made him just seem to be out, made him out to be this very, like, just imposing, terrifying, unhinged man. Yeah. And, like, you do get pieces of that as you watch, but not not to the degree that she was afraid of him with. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a powerful, scary dude that'll kill anybody. I get that. Yeah. But he wasn't menacing enough, I don't feel like. I, I wanted him... He needed to have been, like, more crazy eye moments. Mm. You know, or just... You know, while they're walking in the garden, he's, he's just pulling the heads off of ducks and throwing them places. Something to make this guy seem crazy as hell. So... I just, I didn't get that. And what about you, Grayson? Did you find him menacing at all or, you know, fitting his description by, you know, the early No, character? and I'll tell you why, is if we're, I mean, the conduit through which we would have been able to measure that is Bradley Cooper, and he wasn't, when, when the con goes bad and Ezra finally figures out what's going on, Cooper's not, I mean, I keep calling him Cooper, Stan's not worried about like, oh, I got to take this guy down before he kills me. Like, he's just like, let go of her now. Like he's not at all worried about Ezra at all. So I guess that's is. I mean, can't we measure that by how we're supposed to feel about Ezra Ezra Grindle and his? his I mean, his he, menacing status. He moved uh, maybe, but he moved up the con because Ezra told him that he was just going to kill him if he didn't, you know, get his way soon. So I mean, he feels like he feels like the dude would kill him at least, you know, but, or the bodyguard him. would kill him. Well, yeah, oh yeah, he he would be dead because of this because of Ezra. So there's at least something there, but I, I know what you're saying. We're like, his concern wasn't with, you know, oh God, you know, this scary dude might kill me. It's, you know, hey, let go over. Ah, and then he beats him to death. So whatever. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, so I, I would love to talk about the con for a second. If you guys feel comfortable kind of spoiling what happens in this. Good. It's fine. This movie's so, best since like December. So, okay, so. Stan, you know, he's living life as a, he's conning people. He's telling people, he's learning, he's, he's learned how to read them and give them little bits of thing. I mean, telling an old person that they've, that, that they've had a recent loss, that's a pretty much guaranteed hit. You know, like that's a, you're guaranteed to get a, like, that's guaranteed to be true. hundred percent. I mean, but learning how to read people by what they're wearing, their body language of maybe if they lost a son, a wife, you know, uh, a husband, you know, what they lost, you can kind of read. And he reads this guy also by being told information from Blanchett's character. And he's just completely conning this guy. He's getting $10,000 every consultation. And he has several consultations and $10,000 in 1941. Yeah. It's it's literally a small fortune. He wasn't kidding. I mean, if it, even if it's times 10, that's hundred thousand dollars per consultation today. And he, I mean, he's got to have several because I mean, Ezra's pretty pissed by, you know, at one point he's like enough money, you know, they must've had five or six consultations when all he does is like, your, your daughter's here. I can feel her energy in this room. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, he's just taking her for a ride. And so he sets up this last, Ezra gets pissed and says, next time, if you don't reveal it, I'm, you're going to, you're going to wish, you're going to wish you're dead. He's like, that's not how it works. He's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we also look at Ezra as like, 
Well, maybe you're maybe you're right, Chris. I I completely forgot. Like Ezra talks about, he hurts he hurt dozens of girls, killed yeah. them, like because he's trying to get rid of his own guilt with his daughter. Yep. And so he sets up this con where a stand does, where he's gonna he's found some of the family heirlooms. The mail never got mailed to his daughter, and he has he has. I'm laughing at this because like it's so asinine, it's so disrespectful and just out there. But he has um, Molly dress up as the dead girl in the same dress or in a very similar dress and blood all over her hands. Blood all over herself. Just like the picture would have been and kind of walk through this garden as a way to manifest the spirit of, of course, the guy's going to want to go over and give her a hug, a touch, something. Of course. So she could she could have played that part better. She could have. She could have also turned around and ran or not shown up at all. That, That too. Or yeah. I mean, wait, what do you mean? Played that better, Roger? I mean, she should have ran. Yeah, when he started walking toward her. Yes, but then when when you don't disappear as a ghost, then you're a real person. But if you a... just continue to run away, yeah, I you know yes. I, I don't know. It, it, Cooper was. I mean, for him to think, or Stan, to for him to think, <laughs> I'm just gonna make him pray. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put him on his knees and make him pray. Yeah. Uh, he's like. No. No. Punches in the face and runs towards it. Like, yeah. Well, there's you know, no way you didn't see that coming. People get punched in the face all the time. But again, it, it goes back to to Stanley's, you know, his inability to see that this could go poorly because he believes that he's always in full control of the situation, which very he's much not. isn't in this one. <laughs> he is not. Well, I mean, he becomes in control again. Oh, yeah. No, he, he, he earns control back. <laughs> so does the car. Uh, Katunk. Oh, that guy died too. <laughs> yeah of course Jeez. I mean he punches somebody's nose off and then obliterates somebody with a car not once but twice, twice. yeah you're correct, you're correct. Good stuff. well I don't want to talk about that I don't want to talk about how the movie ends how the, how it comes full circle again but it's, it's, very, it's very fitting for the character of Stan Carlisle it is and it's, it's a Again, the movie is, is is well crafted enough to where, when key things are said throughout the movie, you don't you don't know how heavy how heavy their impact is until this movie comes to a close, and it's very it's very well done, and it's one of those it's not a wow I didn't see that coming moment, but it's a it, it's a very satisfying full circle thing. Well, and I I think it is though well. because it's set up by Willem Dafoe pretty well in the beginning, and then Tim Blake Nelson is the is the carny in the end. Who's like, actually, I have a temp. As soon as he says temporary, that's the word that recalls what Defoe said. And you're like, oh my, that's actually awesome. Yeah. And then when he accepts it and just, we get the last shot is Stan just like laughing insanity for like a minute. Yeah. It's very fitting for, for that, for the end of that character's arc. It, it really is though. For I mean, the beginning of his second arc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stan Carlisle. You don't think that's his comeback story? Redemption story. His redemption comes, comes on Act 3, So right? yeah. let me ask one final question then of you guys is, so the geek in the beginning, who, after this movie wraps up and you start asking questions, you know, having debates with your friends or what, what you know, water cooler talk, is the geek in the beginning just somebody who was also down on their luck and just needed something? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But it, he's it, but it's not it's not supposed to be someone that like oh it's that guy. No, it's no not, I don't it, think so. It's not Stanley in a time loop. It's not it's not anything crazy like that. And it's not someone that we've seen or has meaning or impact. It's and I think that's the point. I think the point is that Stanley shows up as nobody running from something, 
and then becomes somebody, somebody big, somebody important in his sphere, and he comes back, and then he he comes crashing down as a literal nobody again. You know, I think that's more of what it what it's what it's supposed to be. It's the know. definition of an arc. Well, yeah, yeah. The, that's the <laughs> all the way down, of, all the way up. That's the significance the of down. the first two geeks that you that we see that they're no one. They're no one. They're, they have nothing, and he goes from close to that in a different path to having everything to going back to nothing. Yep. So that's just kind of what I yeah that's what I enjoy like I mean I'd I almost forgotten about that. that Stan probably killed the other geek too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, do we ever learn the the fate of the other one? The one that they leave at the hospital or whatever. Like he's messed up because we're Stan and bludgeoned him in the head. Yeah, with the rock. Oh no, but we see the geek again in 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 the carnival. We see him one more time. I thought that was the other geek. No, that was the new geek. Although okay, the, okay, I I'm wrong. I we saw a geek. I didn't know if it was yeah. a new geek. Okay, copy yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So 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 they they go out and get another geek together. So, let me. Okay, so Chris, we talked during the Oscar predictions episode. Mm-hmm. We looked at you know like production design, set design. Yeah. How does a movie like this not get nominated for set know, that's design? That's kind of weird, right? Because this one didn't, right? No, it didn't at yeah. all. I don't know because I thought the sets were one of the biggest pieces. Like this movie looks gorgeous. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I watched it on, on HBO and it was streamed beautifully. It was well, a gorgeous movie to see. Can I make a s- suggestion about maybe why not? Maybe more of it's CGI than we realize. Maybe I that's imagine. Why. I, I imagine. Um, well, I mean, some of it's got to be obviously. Yeah. Lilith's the outside of Lilith's office. I'm sure is all CGI. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe the uh, like the ray tracing is CGI as well that like brings a lot of that like to the forefront. Yeah, it's possible. Because it's I mean snow. that that would actually make sense to why because if it's if that's all practical or most of it's practical that's a that's a rip for not being yeah no, yeah I that's agree. a straight snub. But okay. That's, yeah, that but like some of that set those sets were awesome. Like, I agree. None of the none of the carnival the carnival was all practical, hundred yeah. percent practical. Grayson, at least at least what I know. Grayson so. and Chris, I am surprised that neither one of you mentioned what I think is an incredible cinematic shot mm-hmm. of the long distance shot of the carnival with just the, the lights and the Ferris wheel oh, spinning yeah, slowly yeah. with the, the like crackle of lightning off yeah. in a distance. No, I was, was like, was that's cool. It was cool. Yeah. That would make a hell of an animated wallpaper. I also, I, also, <laughs> uh, well, I also love, and I think this is two of him walking away from the house on fire in that field. Yeah. That was a very cool shot too. Yeah. And I wonder if, how much of that was, just CGI, I don't know if they actually like you know built something up and burnt it down like that. Maybe to get that shot because that was really cool looking. I know we just talked about a movie where oh it was a Sandra Bullock movie with um her sister. The, the twist ends up being that her hey. sister did it. Um, we remember in that movie we cut back to the same like three seconds over and over, like literally like yep. six or seven times. Do you think that same way with because we we go we go back to the house on fire, but like it's it's a weird like reverse fire almost. Yeah, it is several times at least four times maybe five it's also symbolic of you know that the fire isn't the important part it's what it's the happens what had happened before that right that's why why it's coming backwards because it's it's like trying to get back to that point that mattered and we also love how we like he's sitting over a sick old man who we i mean we're assuming it's his father it is his father his father and he's like I always he we, we always cut away after he says i always and then we finally cut back and he finishes that line 
like, man, is there an, is there a shittier person in the world besides Dan Dude, look, the smugness that on his face when he rips the blanket off and oh, just yeah. looks at him as he wraps himself and up. opens the window, what is obviously like very cold temperature. It, I mean, and it's like, I don't think it's smug. It, it, I don't think it's smugness. I think it's just pure contempt. Like he has absolutely no respect for his father as a as a, as no, a, as a person human being. At that point. Yeah, it's just utter contempt, which is why he feels like he's justified to just end his life. Yeah. But again, it's that's part of like the the weird mental psyche of Stan is like he's he's not quite seeing it right. He never he he doesn't see any of that stuff right. You know he that's kind of like that's what the Molly character does for us is we see through her that like Stan is way more messed up than we ever thought. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, she, you know she makes decisions based on like compassion and humanity, and he doesn't. He's just a garbage human. He is, which is when it comes. When, I mean. When it comes back to it, like, that's not something that I want to, you know, Chris, you watched this twice. I wouldn't, this is not a movie I'm going to voluntarily turn on again. Like, oh, yeah, I'll fall asleep to Nightmare Alley. Yeah, well, <laughs> it just, I can't. You might have some awesome dreams. I just, I can't get with the character. And I understand it's a well-written character. Uh, I just, I, I, Stan clashes with what my romanticized version of a film protagonist should be. Well, I, I mean, I mean, he's our lead guy, but he doesn't have to be a protagonist. He could be an antihero, you know. He or he. Could well, he's be, not that either. He's not that. But I mean, he doesn't have to be the protagonist. He's just, he's just the. I mean, if you want to argue who your protagonist is, it's more, it's more Molly, right? No, you mean what? You mean the wait, wait, Molly or Lilith? No, no, not Lilith. She Lilith. is also Lilith. not the protagonist. Not the protagonist, <laughs> not Molly. Well, no, she, yeah, Molly would be. I, th- I thought you said Antagonist. the only yeah. real good guy in this. You know what I mean? Actually, I would go so far as to argue that they're all shitty people. They probably are. Well, I, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know enough about Molly to know if that's true or not. Well, so, okay. So she's at least partially in on a long con game of just the mentalism stuff itself. Yeah, but you could argue a lot of reasons why. Well, I mean, job's a job. Job's a job, or, you know, she's, she's you know, there with him. So that's all that matters to her. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot there, but, you know. I understand what you, what you mean, Grayson, by how it's not like you know your your usual you know white hat you know I'm a good guy lead and role, but it's it's a very interesting deep role though too. It's got a it's got a lot of layers to it, and I think Cooper did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, he's, I'm here for it. He's not exactly the Han Solo type antihero because even Han has like even Han has morals that prevent him from. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, me personally, my if you someone asked me who is an antihero, is I'm gonna tell him Danny Archer from Blood Diamond. That to me, that's the exact definition of an antihero. But, but he's not that. Stan is not that definition. So, I mean, I, it's just it, who knows. I mean, I he is. I mean, the, so then when the when the movie circles, you could say like, oh my god, we've been we've been following the bad guy this whole. Not that you. I mean, you were given hundred chances to see that prior to the end. Yeah, but I mean, it's just—I don't know. I just have a hard, a hard time with it, even though I—I I think the movie's great. I have a hard time with that character. I just do. It just whatever my mental, you know. Well, I mean, you should be is. happy that he doesn't win. He doesn't win, but I mean, he—he's not dead either. <laughs> You're but, right. There is. Oh yeah. No, oh, wait, so wait, you think there's a nightmare alley too? <laughs> <laughs> no, me, I mean, in the cards. He's not dead, but he's—he's—he's he's, going to be in a in a mud pit eating chickens. He'll be so, dead soon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we should definitely move to score this bad boy. The Chris, uh, if you don't mind, would you like the honor of going first? Yeah, I'll go first on this one. So I'm giving out a lot of eights today. Um, I'm going to lead in with an 8.5 on this one, though, because I Ooh. did enjoy this movie enough to, to quickly rewatch it a second time for effect. This movie's 
just you didn't quickly rewatch this. No, I meant like quickly turn it back on. <laughs> Let me just tell you that was a, anyway. that was a quick rewatch of 139 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I meant quickly go <laughs> uh, back to watch 150 it again. minutes. It was sir. a good movie. It says 139. The great leading role and a plenty of great you know secondary side you know supporting cast characters. Just so many big moments from people that weren't our lead. And just fantastic movie, in my opinion. I this movie is dark. It's dark enough, perfect amount for me for what I like out of a movie like this, and just the character situations and the places they are, the, the cinematography, great. I love this movie. It's an eight point five. Eight point five, yep. huh? Very nice, Grayson. You want to go? Or you want me to go? I'll go. Uh, this is an eight for me. Um, I, I I liked it a, a whole lot. I didn't like it much being the Ricardos, but I I I did. I mean. I love Bradley Cooper. I'm insanely jealous that he is a handsome son of a bitch. Um, he also does a great. He's great in this movie. Um, I, I love the cat. I mean, this is this is a Peter Jackson cast, as you ask me. This is just a wonderful cast. Um, I, I, I love it. Everyone does such a great job. I love the set design. I love all the all the visuals in this movie. Um, there's so much about this movie to love. Uh, eight. It's an eight for me. Uh, it's an eight for me as well. I think it's very good. Uh, I think it's interesting that we get uh, a dark perspective from a story like this, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm not a guy that will stand by a movie has to have winners and losers and good guys and bad guys. Uh, we just have varying degrees of bad in this movie to me. And I think that's okay. It's, it makes for a compelling story. Um, I honestly would say, though, if it wasn't nominated for anything, I wouldn't probably have ever really checked out this movie. But I'm glad that I did. Yeah. Um, It'd be weird, though, because I don't know if there's a whole lot of people I ever recommend Nightmare Alley to, <laughs> but it's an interesting movie, and I think uh, I think eight's a good score for it. I agree. I agree. Good analysis, Roger. Good analysis, Roger. All right, gentlemen, we have done an episode. Now we get to look forward to the Oscars, which started minutes ago. But this has been episode 271A of For the Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Excuse me, Tuesday and Friday mornings. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. And I'm Christopher Bond. Don't forget to check out the page on Facebook. Always posting things there. Check us out on YouTube. We we're going to hopefully going to have a continued presence there very shortly. Uh, send us an email to For the Love of Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we go back to the theatrical. We're going to be looking at The Lost City and a Netflix original, The Adam Project, with that damn handsome, charismatic guy, Ryan Reynolds. Hmm. Ryan Reynolds. Hmm.